You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. We are here to discuss Terminator 2, Judgment Day, which came out in 1991. I'll be back. This was directed by James Cameron. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Linda Hamilton, Edward Furlong, Robert Patrick, Joe Morton, Earl Bowen, S. Apatha Murkison, Jeanette Goldstein, and Xander Berkeley. The genre would be sci-fi action thriller. I know now why you cry, but it is something I could never do. That's right. You don't get to hear many impressions from me, but spoken earnestly in a thick Austrian accent, what you just heard that line of dialogue... It shouldn't work. And in a vacuum, it probably doesn't. But after two plus hours of mind-blowing, relentless action, it kind of feels like a necessary sigh of relief. James Cameron has always been a filmmaker who wears his heart and his politics on his sleeve. And it's clear since the massive success of both Titanic and Avatar that in recent years there's been a growing backlash against his supposed shortcomings, like cheesy dialogue and obvious unoriginal story tropes. All the jibes about unobtainium and Ferngullian space, or how Rose should have let Jack on that floating door, etc., etc., blah, blah, blah. And it's not as if Cameron's filmography, nor Cameron himself, really need to be defended at this point. He's certainly not hurting for money nor accolades. And he has justifiably built up a reputation for being rather dickish on and off the sets of his movies. I'm the king of the world! Just ask Ed Harris, who he worked with on The Abyss, and nothing since. But at the end of the day, I will always love James Cameron, the director, and what he's done for cinema. I know without a doubt that whenever I see a James Cameron film, it's going to be exciting, engaging, memorable, and always perfectly structured. The preachiness and on-the-nose dialogue, it had always been there from the get-go, and it's on full display in T2. Edward Furlong's whiny histrionics about killing people. Hamilton's voiceover... Watching John with the machine, it was suddenly so clear. The Terminator would never stop. It would never leave him. And it would never hurt him, never shout at him or get drunk and hit him or say it was too busy to spend time with him. It would always be there. And it would die to protect him. The slow-mo images of kids shooting each other with toy guns The boots walking over the red roses. This is a film with a message, and that's okay, because Cameron and his co-writer, William Wisher, they wrap that narrative in one hell of an epically relentless chase and battle for the future of humanity. Terminator 2 is about to turn 30, and I can still remember the experience of seeing it in theaters opening weekend in July of 1991. There was a scale to it and a confidence that you felt from that opening future war sequence with that thunderous main theme from composer Brad Fidel. And you could feel an audience hanging on every word, even though there weren't that many words, coming from its larger-than-life star at the time, Arnold Schwarzenegger. T2 left its mark on everyone who saw it. It was one of my great in-theater experiences. And that's because there is so much that is so meticulously done. 
From the stunt work involving that truck driver being tossed on the street, it really looks pretty real. It looks like that guy had to have gotten really hurt. To the way Arnold spins and cocks his shotgun in that chase along the L.A. River. To the way Linda Hamilton spryly skips down the hallway with that security baton. To the bemused expression on frozen Robert Patrick's face when he realizes his arm just broke off. Cameron lives for those details, and they all add up into something special. He's a visual storyteller first and foremost helped by strong casting instincts, groundbreaking special effects, and always pitch-perfect sound design. Chris Nolan should take notes, just saying. Cameron has always been one of the best. For everything that he brings to the table, I will gladly make that trade-off for the stuff that's often criticized. And hell, in today's Marvel-dominated world of seemingly every hero have to be constantly quipping as if they're performing in some big-budget workplace sitcom, I could sometimes go for some real sincerity from my action heroes or heroines, and Cameron always delivers that. Special mention has to go, of course, to the Oscar-winning visual effects team led by Stan Winston and the folks at Industrial Light and Magic. They have crafted some timeless imagery, which still holds up well, whether you're watching it on your tablet, flat screen, or wherever you want to watch this. And that brings us to the categories. The first one is Best Needle Drop. This is the best song cue or piece of score used throughout the runtime of the film. And music is essential to film. Brad Fidel's main theme for The Terminator, it was already iconic from that original movie. The 1984 film had a mainly synth score, but those five thunderous beats, they were recognizable in any form. And the opening credit sequence for T2, it takes those notes even further. For two minutes over imagery of burning destruction resulting from a nuclear attack, we hear a more orchestral version of this theme that then builds to these beats again only getting louder and louder as we see an image of the naked Terminator skull coming slowly towards the camera. Anyone who wasn't truly pumped for what was coming in the two hours after this when seeing this in theaters, they just weren't paying attention. This is a great blend of imagery and music. And that brings us to the next category, and that would be Wasted Talent. Wasted Talent is the most underutilized talent involved with the film. And this would go to Joe Morton. Joe Morton, he seems to have a pretty prominent role in this film as Miles Dyson. He was the main architect of Skynet and the eventual Terminator line which it spawned. Joe Morton's very good in this, but he's mainly just here to react to things. React to things that he's told or things that he witnesses. With the highlight being when Arnold decides to show him and his wife, played by Esapatha Murkison, that he is in fact a Terminator by, by cutting the skin off his arm. <laughs> it's one of those batshit moments that only works because of how well the effects are done and how well everyone plays it. And Joe Morton plays it perfectly. I mean, how would you react to some giant man the size of Arnold Schwarzenegger tearing the skin off his arm right in front of you? But I would have liked more from Joe Morton as this character who's actually as pivotal to Terminator lore as anyone else. He's just not in the film that much, and I could have used at least one more scene of him discussing the technology with his superiors to give the eventual creation of Skynet some more context. Listen, Mr. Dyson, I, I know I haven't been here that long, but I was wondering if you could tell me, I mean, if you know. Know what? Well, if you know where it came from. You know, I asked them that very same question once, and you know what they told me? Don't ask. Now, this is kind of a small quibble, and I believe that actually even in the director's cut, which I haven't seen yet, there's at least one more scene of Joe Morton featured with his family early on. But overall, he's a bit underutilized in this film. And that brings us to the next category, trailer moment. This is the scene or the moment that best describes the film. 
If you were going to sell this film to somebody or tell them they had to see it, you would show them this part. Now, this film is loaded with trailer moments. Cameron and Schwarzenegger are probably in that elite group of filmmakers slash actors who have always specialized in giving us trailer moments. So it's really hard to just pick one. So I'm going to cheat a bit. I'm going to pick three. This movie deserves it. So the three best trailer moments from T2, and in no particular order. First one, watching video of Sarah Connor going absolutely bug nuts crazy, trying to explain Judgment Day to her psych team at Pescadero, the hospital where she is detained. Not only is this a good acting showcase for Linda Hamilton, and she should have been nominated for Best Actress for this film. I'm serious, she should have been. And it's also a good way of updating us on where her character has gone 10 years later after the events of the first film. But it's also just a nice callback to similar video footage that we see of Kyle Reese trying to do the same exact thing with the police in the first film. And even more so, it has the same psychiatrist there, the same guy smarmily played by Earl Bowen. It's a nice callback. It is definitely a trailer moment. I'm sure it feels very real to you. On August 29th, 1997, it's going to feel pretty fucking real to you, too. Anybody not wearing two million sunblock is going to have a real bad day. Get it? God, you think you're safe and alive? You're already dead. Everybody. Him, you. You're dead already. This whole place, everything you see is gone. The second trailer moment. All right, allow me to set this up. The T-800, played by Arnold, and the T-1000, played by Patrick. They are face-to-face for the first time in the service hallway of the Galleria Mall. Arnold is brandishing a shotgun, and he has just blasted his opponent to the ground. But then, the T-1000 gets up after seeing his shotgun holes close up, and he grabs Arnold's shotgun. And as Arnold tries to grab it back, he can't. This Terminator has got the drop on him. And just the look of shock on Arnold's face, it is the definition of a shit-just-got-real moment. And it's laying the groundwork for the rest of the film for how this seemingly unthreatening, much leaner, kind of reptilian-looking dude in a police uniform is actually going to provide a real match for Arnold Schwarzenegger, the T-800. And that brings me to the final trailer moment, number three. This would be seeing John Connor's stepmother, who's played by Jeanette Goldstein, standing on the phone in the kitchen, looking annoyed after her stepson just hung up on her. Honey, are you okay? I'm right here. I'm fine. Are you sure? Are you sure you're all right? What's the dog's name? Max. Hey, Janelle, what's wrong with Wolfie? I can hear him barking. Is he okay? Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. What are you? Your foster parents are dead. And then the camera pans over to show her arm extended into a long, sharp metal spear extended right through the mouth of her husband standing there dead-faced and through the milk carton he was drinking when suddenly she morphs into the T-1000. The effects are amazing in this scene, and seeing the cold expression on each character's face stay pretty identical, shifting from Goldstein to Patrick, it just nails how effective this moment is. Oh, and if I haven't mentioned it already, Robert Patrick is amazing in this film. The physical acting he does is truly impressive, really making him one of the more menacing villains of any film from the 90s. And that brings me to the final category, the MVP. This is the person or people who are most responsible for the success of this film. Now, you have some big hitters here. Arnold's presence sold this film. Hasta la vista, baby. Hamilton's performance grounded it. And Patrick's performance helped make so much of the spectacle more convincing. But the MVP has to be James Cameron. He's the ringleader of this crazy circus, and he remains one of the best genre directors of all time. As he did two years prior when he made The Abyss, Cameron was literally inventing new visual effects and new filmmaking techniques on the fly, on the spot, during the production and pre-production for this movie. 
Cameron pulled together one of the most satisfying sci-fi action films ever made. And he also, in the process, created a prototypical sequel, which built on the lore of its amazing predecessor, taking things to a larger scale while still remaining true to the tone and themes of the original film. This is definitely one of the best sequels ever. Now, is this his best film? Not as far as I'm concerned. No, that would be another groundbreaking sequel that he had directed five years prior. And rest assured, my review for that film is coming. My final rating for T2 would be four and a half out of five stars. If you haven't seen it, see it. If you've seen it before, see it again. It's available to rent on all platforms for streaming where you could rent it. But if you have the privilege of being able to see it in a theater, I would highly recommend doing so. Because this film still looks amazing. Those visual effects really hold up. I would say, I mean, they're 30 years old and they look better than most of the stuff we see today. So T2, happy 30th. Check it out. Great movie. Please subscribe to Living for the Cinema on all platforms where podcasts are available. Also, visit our new Facebook page, Living for the Cinema Podcast. And join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. Cinema.